Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. Long-time listeners to Vision on Sound will already be aware that Paul Chandler, the shy yeti, our returning guest on this week's edition, is a very avid fan of the TV detective series Bergerac. And whilst he has mentioned this from time to time on his appearances, we realised that we'd never actually had a sit-down just to talk about that show. So this week we decided to rectify that omission, and for the next hour we have a nice little chat about what it is about that particular cop show, mostly set on Jersey, the largest of the Channel Islands, which he found appealing enough to ensure that he not only has the complete series on his shelves so that he can watch it whenever the mood catches him but also that he has an emergency backup set of Bergerac just in case the first goes wrong and yet another set albeit one featuring inferior edits of the programs stashed in yet another place in case the first two can't be accessed. Think of it as being a bit like prepping for archive TV enthusiasts. The series Bergerac was first made and broadcast by the BBC in 1981 and continued to make regular appearances in the schedules for more than a decade, finally signing off nine series and 87 episodes later on Boxing Day 1991, and seems slightly unusual nowadays for not being a detective series based around characters adapted from a series of novels. Bergerac was created by Robert Banks Stewart, as is rather well known as a replacement for his previous series Shoestring, which came to a sudden abrupt end and left the BBC looking around for a similar but different detective series to fill its place in the schedules, and Bergerac must be considered to be a very successful solution to a rather interesting problem. The series starred John Nettles as Jim Bergerac, a detective with a troubled past, Terence Alexander as his troublesome ex-father-in-law Charlie Hungerford, and Sean Arnold as his boss Barney Crozier at the newly formed Bureau des Etrangers on the Channel Islands, alongside several glamorous women like Cecile Paoli, Celia Imri, Louise Jameson, Therese Leotard, Deborah Grant, and Lisa Goddard, who seemed to find Jim irresistibly attractive, sometimes for several seasons in lead and guest roles, alongside a whole host of exactly the sort of character actors that the likes of viewers like me enjoy spotting in these kinds of shows. Bergerac made the most of its picturesque Jersey locations and the vintage 1947 burgundy-coloured Triumph Roadster that Jim drove to delight audiences across the 1980s, and Paul has very fond memories of growing up watching this series, not least because of the childhood holidays he spent on the island. So let's fire up our Fab Radio International time engines and head back to the 80s and take a brief look at crime-fighting Channel Island style. Hello, Paul. How the heck are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, you know, ticking along. Bit gravelly today, but uh, <clears throat> I hope people will <laughs> forgive us that. Okay, so now today, inevitably, I think today, it's about time we got round to this. You are 
an enormous fan of the TV series Bergerac, as we've talked about previously on other shows, but we've never actually done a show where we just talk about Bergerac on its own. So, I'm going to start with a quick question before we get into it. Yeah. What is it about Bergerac that you you love so much? Because I know you have a, a spare set, don't you, just in case your first <laughs> set fails. I mean, this yeah. is this is commitment. <laughs> well, you know, I, the thing I, I, I'm technically I've owned three sets because ah. uh, originally they released them season by season, mm. but then um, that it came out that the versions they'd released for maybe even like the first six seasons mm. were the edited versions okay. that BBC showed uh, a while back when they used to show them like at two o'clock in the afternoon. And although there's not masses of violence, I don't think at two o'clock they can even show like you know it, yeah. Bergerac gets a bloody head or something because right, someone's hit him on the they can't even show that so they had to cut so disgusted by the idea that i might own something that's edited mm. then when they found there was the the, the box set i ordered mm. i ordered the box set and then ordered a spare set because, <laughs> so i mean this is something that you feel you've got to have on hand at all times you've got to be able to get your emergency berger action you need is, is it that sort of show for you um to, to a certain extent, but also my flatmate likes it, and I think if ever we went our separate ways, then at least we'd have a set each um, so, <laughs> as well. So it's kind of like one technically might belong to him and one might... Um, so, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's like having two puppies. You, you, can't, <laughs> you can't divide them, really, but, but you can't no. cut one puppy in half. I know what you mean. <laughs> I want to cut poor Bergerac in half. No, indeed. So why Bergerac, though? Why, why is it that you like um, it so much? Well, partly goes back to summer holidays in the 80s with my right. parents. Uh, we went to, uh, I actually like Guernsey better than Jersey, but um, it's slightly more untamed is Guernsey. Uh, and it also has better access to places like Herm and Sark for day trips. Um, okay. But um, yeah, I think we did sort of see, we must have been, it was one of those programs we did watch as a family, or at least right. my mum, dad and I did. Mm. My brother was probably a bit young. But I think when we were over there, we did sometimes see the red car sort of, out and about, or yeah. Oh, they were still filming it in those days when you were there. Yeah, because they filmed up until I think the last episode went out in '91. So, mm. and in fact, one of the last episodes was filmed in Salisbury because mm. they started running out of locations, and they mm. started. You'd have the odd episode set in Bath or Salisbury, and there was there's a hotel called the Red Lion, mm. which was very close to my dad's office, and mm. and they were watching out the window when they were filming. <laughs> he, he just comes out of the, and I've decided because I, I have had to scale down my. I used to go for sort of quite ambitious holidays for mm. big birthdays, and I've got a big birthday this year, but mm. I, I, I can't go as far at the moment. Mm. So I, I'm determined. I'm, I'm staying in the Red Lion just so I can say that I've stayed in a location. Right. For the birth but this wasn't. <laughs> I mean, obviously, in the days before, we all had cameras on our mobile phones. In fact, before we had mobile phones, so your, your dad couldn't have been filming, uh, well, posting on on the Twitter feed, Bergerac filming no, sites, and all that. No. So he didn't take his his cine camera and take some footage that that would end up on all the box sets or anything. No, but it wouldn't have been much longer before I got my camera around the time mm. Bergerac finished. So, uh, but I would have been. If, if we'd been on the phone to you, you'd, you'd be down the road like a shot. To uh, I would, I would have been. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> I would have still been in school in '91, so ah. so I, I might not have been able to have got away anyway. But uh. so you're 73, aren't you? Boy? Yes. So yeah. Bergerac would have come on air when you were about eight years old. I mean, did you still sit and watch it with your parents even when you were that young? I don't feel like I remember it until Louis Jameson came into it, right. which is from season four onwards. Because right. okay. um, I'm thinking, Berger, I, I again, I may be doing this a, a terrible injustice, but I'm thinking of it as Sunday night drama. Was it Sunday nights or Saturday night drama? Um, 
I feel I feel like it, I I I could actually I found my 1990 diary recently oh. and um and I found myself mentioning that we watched Bergerac but I can't remember what night no, that, okay. that was I feel I feel like it it may have jumped around I feel mm. like it might have been on Sunday night at some point but I also feel like it might have been in, mm. in the week at some point but then that could have been repeat mm. but it was a cozy thing the whole family gathered and and that was on and because I remember the same I remember my mum and dad watching Dixon of Doc Green, you know, mm. 10 years before that. And I, I remember I was just sat in a room while they had these programmes on. I didn't get sent to bed or anything. It was just mm. what was on in the, in the living room when I was I doing whatever I was doing with whatever Lego or whatever, you know, I, action I man or whatever I was playing with I at the time. And I think sort of as, as detective dramas go, because mm. I also used to watch Miss Marple mm. around the same time. And, and it probably was a more family-friendly show mm. than, say, like Taggart or something. Mm. I do remember watching one of the Inspector Dalgleish things on ITV, yeah. and it was the Black Tower. I think that was about 86, mm. and I guess that was probably a bit more adult. But mm. um, Bergerac pretty much stayed within sort of... Um, yeah. Family-friendly, as it yeah, were. Yeah, pretty much, even though people were getting murdered occasionally. Mm. Well, this is it. I mean, <laughs> even though you're saying they had to be cut for these releases and these afternoon showings... It wasn't ever the most hard-hitting in terms of brutal visions of the crimes, was it? It wasn't one of those where you got close-ups of wounds and horrible, horrible nastiness. Generally, it was it was what we would call the cosy crime drama. Yeah, although not as, probably not as cosy as say *Midsummer Murders*, which mm. almost goes into being slightly unrealistic. I did mm. feel Bergerac within reason, sort of stayed within, mm. you know, it didn't kind of go, it wasn't too fanciful. They mm. did do one or two stories that were mm. possibly slightly, possibly supernatural or had, you know, that sort of aspect to it. But they generally stayed within sort of more crooks or mm. things like that. It, it was it was cosy, but within mm. more realistic, more realistic some of those, yeah. 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 So, I mean, obviously, the two you mentioned there both had John Nettles in the lead, at least for part of uh, Midsummer Murders' run. So there was a big connection there. So was John Nettles as an actor an attractive lead to follow? I mean, did you watch Midsummer because you watched Bergerac? I didn't really watch Midsummer much. Right. I think I have, I don't know if it was on a channel that, you know, satellite channel somewhere. And mm. I did buy one or two videos because I felt I cause it does go back because he, he started doing it in the late 90s. Mm. So I think I did buy a couple of tapes of episodes and mm. never really got around to watching them. But mm. So you weren't particularly drawn to John Nettles as a performer, as an actor. That's not the reason why Bergerac is so magical in your... In your... No, I think it was, just, it was just more the right time and the right place. And, mm. and, and also the other characters that were... Mm. That, that was sort of well. I mean, that's a BBC drama. I mean, this it was created by Robert Banks Stewart, wasn't it? And lasted well, it, pretty much nine seasons, ten years on television. Really, it was it, it was a good ten year run on the BBC yeah. as a as a bit of a staple. I, I'm looking at the numbers here, and never a particularly long series. So there were tens and nines and eights. You know, there, yes, and then it wasn't on all year round. But but Bergerac no. was a big part of the funnily of the New Year schedule. It seems to fit it in. It seems to have always. It's, in its later years, it seems to have become a January, February, March kind of programme. Yeah, they often had a Christmas special. Mm. Uh, but they usually had a Christmas special, which was before this stupid phase we have these days, where mm. a Christmas special has to be set at Christmas. Mm. So if a show runs for ages, they mm. struggle to, oh, how can we set another thing in Christmas? Mm. Um, uh, I think Bergerac's Christmas specials used to be back in the day when a Christmas special just meant you got a feature-length version of your yeah. favourite show. Yeah, not that I an, don't... an extra 40 minutes 
And, yeah, or, you know, or sometimes in a, in an hour like or, a two-parter, but sort of yeah, well, yeah a longer but, story, but, yeah, it's a yeah. short film kind of thing. Yeah, I think there's also something quite nice about that sort of show in the fact that at Christmas sometimes what you want to see is a bit of summer and a bit of sunshine because you're in the middle of yeah. winter and it's cold and miserable and I don't know the Channel Islands generally speaking there's an image of summer breezy mm. sunshineness mm. to them even though I know there have been other dramas that were set under the jackboot of the Nazis and things in the same in the same location but it generally made people think of summer holidays and summertime and so there was a lot of that going on like you said you had a nostalgia for your own visits there but on Christmas day or in January or, or whenever the Christmas special would have been you would have very much been drawn to the the warmth of it and the, and the brightness and the outdoorsiness of it I think yeah and of course I'm not sure quite what the truth is of the matter, but it was created by the same people who'd created Shoestring. And mm. I've always heard people say they kind of did Burge Rap because um, Trevor well, Trevor didn't, want, didn't to... want to do any more yeah. Shoestring. Yeah. And they'd um, done two seasons of that, and they had this gap in the schedule, basically. Mm, mm. And they basically decided, well, let's come up with a new detective series. And from scratch, it seems, they built Burge Rap from not even really basing it on what Shoestring had been, but just, you know, an affable central character yeah. in a different location. I mean, Shoestring was uh, Bristol, wasn't it? So, yeah. so that was kind of giving that part of the country a new uh, vision, if you like, for viewers to see. And again, Bergerac goes, well, where have we not been before? Mm. We've not been on the Channel Islands. Let's try that. And, and the two characters have both had flaws in, in, mm. in their personalities mm. that sometimes were used in the stories. Mm. Well, I think the flawed, quirky detective is, is a yeah. bit of a it's a bit of a television trope, isn't it? I mean, you've mm. got uh, a lot of people, whether or not it's a disability or a quirk or a, or you know they're scruffy or they're you know whatever the thing was. There was always they couldn't just be strangely enough light in midsummer. Midsummer, they, they he he always seems like the most ordinary, untroubled detective in the world, you know, without any kind of quirks or anything like that. But actually, most TV detectives in the eighties had something that made them a bit different. Yeah, I I have to say that I like shoestring, but it doesn't do it for me. Some people like swear on swear yeah. by shoestring and like Bergerac's, um like. I don't no, think they have battle. I don't think it's a feud, but there are some people who like one and not the other. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think mm. there's a lot more to Burge Rap because it ran for a lot longer. There's yes. a lot more. Um, yeah. there's a, there's a, you know, well, Shoestring's an interesting... I mean, certainly as a stepping stone to Burge Rap, Shoestring yeah. is an interesting thing to watch. And, yeah, I mean, in many ways, the, the quirkiness of Eddie Shoestring is almost like they're trying to see how many quirks they can give him. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was I was watching that a few years ago, and certainly the the first episode, it's almost like they're trying to show. Oh, he's got a boat. Oh, he's got he's he's had this breakdown. Oh, he he draws cartoons. Oh, there's so many little sort of aspects <laughs> yeah. to his characters. It's like they were trying to find the one that stuck with the audience. Whereas basically, Bergerac has got a bit of a, a dodgy leg and and used to be a drunk. Basically, yeah. that seems to be yeah. most of, of of the the problems he has. Which as with a lot of other series, I mean, again, famously, later on, NYPD Blue in America would play a lot on the alcoholism of, of some of its central characters. But uh, did they actually do storylines where they addressed him falling off the wagon? or, or was Yeah, that... but sometimes right. because he was set up or spiked or, right. or it would be like the end of a relationship. Mm. Or, But there was certainly one where he was set up um, mm. so that they could go, oh, Jim, you know. Mm. In fact, he, he was 
he was mugged and sort of had mm. it poured down his throat and then mm. couldn't remember mm. um, by a baddie sort of thing. I mean, it's not obviously a topic to be taken lightly. I mean, I know that, again, later on in elementary in America, the, the whole thing about Sherlock being a recovering addict you know, was very much a part of the sort of bones of that show. But they didn't pretend it was an easy thing to do. And, you know, I, I mean, you can get too flippant about those kinds of problems in some dramas. It's like, it's almost like so many detectives had to have a drink problem at one point. Yeah. That it almost made it kind of a bit of a, a running, you know, it became a joke. What's this one's problem, you know, or whatever. But, uh, I mean, th the truth of the matter is that it is a big problem that a lot of people have in that job, in that profession. I'd actually say that it, it's a show that takes, I don't know, it, I mean, there are good takes episodes. It seriously, yeah. it, it, no, no, I mean, it, it takes a while to get going. I, don't th oh, I, think, okay. I think the central seasons of Bergerac are the strongest. Mm. There are good episodes mm. in the early seasons. But I don't think it's a sort of hit the ground running. The, the one, it might just be that it's because the ones in the middle are the ones with Louise Jameson and the ones mm. that I remember best. But mm. um, but yeah, it, because it take, well, it also takes a while for him to. He has a girlfriend in the first season, a French yes. girlfriend who um, only lasts for that season, and then right. it has uh, Celia Imery as the, I don't. Well, she's somebody who he encounters in quite a lot of the stories, and they've mm. probably got a bit of a thing going, but I don't mm. think they're... I liked her character. Mm. and But then the third season, it, his ex-wife... His ex-wife's always in it to a certain extent, mm. but there's a season where he's not really seeing anyone, and his ex-wife's in it quite a lot. Mm. And then the next four seasons, you've got Louise Jameson and Susan mm. Young, and their, their relationship sort of goes through... There's a lot of the sort of... Susan waiting for him to come home because he's going to be home and cooking a meal and mm. um, but and then but then it does sort of take a twist where she starts you know there are stories where she gets really fed up with him and mm. uh, and may maybe gets herself in danger because she she sort of uh, they they sort of split up and get back mm. together again and maybe or maybe she gets together with somebody who's mm. the criminal that he's dealing with that week or mm. um, but she has a rather tragic end um, right. and then. It, spoilers, but it's, it, has been, it has been quite a long time. Well, um, um, but and then he has a girlfriend for the last, a French girlfriend in the last two seasons, and quite a lot of the episodes end up being set because her father runs a vineyard, so you get episodes in France. Ah. but I, I don't think until quite recently I'd ever seen the final episode because I don't remember seeing it at the time, mm -hmm. and he hasn't really. It, it really could be like he, he's sort of not got a girlfriend he's back on the booze he's not doing mm. too well and it, it could be i think it's only inferred what's going to happen after that because mm. he becomes a, a private investigator more in the last couple of seasons and right. leaves the bureau does a chance oh, right so he's actually he's, he's actually a he's still a paid copper <laughs> he, um, for the first eight series uh, for the first, I think right, during I the eight, I, think I, I always thought he was a private detective all the way through. So that's not no, no, right. No, he's a he's a cop until about somewhere along the eighth season, then right. goes it alone. But, ah, uh, you see, now I remember between the lines, mm. where where that lasted three seasons, and and the third season they became private investigators. It always seems to be a thing that happens to these detective. Even even Bullman does it, doesn't he? You know, they mm. they go off and set up on their own. It's kind of again, that's another one of those television tropes that's interesting but not necessarily original. That's just it's just it's just fascinating. I think around the time that Louise Jameson left, mm. they maybe had a change in production team. Yeah, now Shake it and up I a don't. Bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know know whether this is true or not, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere, but it, again, it could just be tittle-tattle, that, mm. that when John Nathan Turner wanted to leave Doctor Who, he mm. was offered Bergerac, mm. but he didn't rate John Nettles and didn't really... Right. You know, he said the only bit where I do it was if we recast Bergerac. Um but right, okay. uh, I don't know whether that was true true or not, but it's certainly true enough that it mm. it's kind of got into my understanding of... of and, and it also fits in with those last two seasons being a different team. And I think the right, there was a character called the Ice Maiden right. played by Lisa Goddard, who was right. like a, a female Raffles. Right. Um, I mean, she really could have had her own character. She was very mm. good at that. that they, they never had a relationship, Bergerac and her, mm. and he, you know, he was really supposed to be chasing her, but they definitely mm. had a, an understanding and a flirtation. Uh-huh. Well, the recurring um, villain, again, is, is quite common, isn't it, really, these days? I mean, even Father Brown has a recurring vision. Yes, yes. But the uh, villain, I should say, not vision. Maybe he has visions as well, I don't but, know. I don't but, think Father Brown doesn't have quite the same sexual tension with his... No, possibly with his not, possibly <laughs> But the, um, but I think it was, yeah, the producer for the last three seasons was uh, George Galaccio, who has a heck of a pedigree in terms mm. of, of television. But I think sometimes what happens is if you introduce a character of your own, the writers or the producers or the directors are more interested in their new characters and they tend to let some of the other characters go by and it can change the feeling of a show, you know, for the viewer. They sort of feel, oh, why are they concentrating on this character when I'm... I prefer them to concentrate on on the core characters we've come to know and love for six or seven years. So it it can actually mean that a program is sort of changing direction. But so, um, what was the name of Lisa Goddard's? No, Philippa Vale. That's right, Philippa Vale. Although she's well, she's she's credited as going as back as far as series three, so she was around. Yes, yeah, she was in it she, in quite a while. But my understanding was the reason that character vanished was that it, it belonged to a particular writer. Right. Possibly, and, and that writer wasn't involved in the last couple of so uh, that so Philip Avell disappeared. Um, uh, disappeared. But mm. as far as I'm aware, there isn't a really good detail. There's a few books about. I've got a book which is sort of John Nettles's but um, a yeah. Jersey, and there's you know uh, written. I think he wrote some books about Jersey when he was in the show and after yeah. and afterwards. But there's no not that I'm aware of. No real good meaty sort of reference tome about Bergerac or although that that would or wouldn't may may or may not um he pens out Paul you know know (laughs) get type in I'm sure if if it's waiting to be written then you've got all that reference material handy you know it's it's there to be done um but um there were various other sort of ongoing characters Mm. and the the only one who's in all seasons is Terence Alexander as Charlie Hungerford Mm. Who is his? Well, he was a uh, kind of iconic figure of the eighties, wasn't he, Charlie Hungerford? I mean, yeah. again, when people did spoofs of Bergerac, they always yeah. included him because he was there all the time. In a way, he always reminds me of the sort of upper class Arthur Daly. Right. I, I was saying to somebody at the weekend, I would love to have seen how those two would have got on mm. because because I imagine Charlie would have looked down at Arthur, but mm. Arthur would have might have been quite in awe of him and wanting that's kind of what he might have been uh, aiming aiming for that they could have the mind of bergerac crossover episode that never happened <laughs> yeah because uh, yeah, you know maybe J- jim and um tell or whatever, terry could have started their private detective agency <laughs> or um, so you've it, got this core, like you say, the only two characters who are there start to finish really are are, are Charlie Hungerford and Bergerac himself, and, 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 yeah, and, Char- and, and, and Charlie Charlie being his ex father in law. So oh, yeah. I see. So he actually gets on, or does it? Do they get on? Mostly, but he does. He does irritate Jim mm. um, because he is borderline dodgy at times. Mm. With, you know, because it's all sort of 
you know, he's on the council, or he's on mm. this, and he's, you know, or he's mm. doing things to raise money for some business scheme. Uh, and so he does sort of represent the sort of rich side of Jersey with businessmen moving in and money sort of moving around the island and some of it maybe not being 100% um, legal. Um. Is it one of those shows where they have to find increasingly bizarre reasons for his character to be involved in the plot, or is he always there quite naturally? He's usually there quite naturally. I mm. Because sometimes, I'm sure there are times when perhaps he, he, he would turn, Charlie would offer for him to stay at his house if mm. something was... Jim tended to live in like cottages that looked like they were about to fall down and things like right. that. And, 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 yeah, and of course he'd be visiting, he'd see his daughter when she was in it. Mm. Um, his daughter moves from being quite a little girl or, or, you know, I don't know exactly how old, 10, 11, 12, to being mm. sort of quite yeah, well, you know, a teenage ten, by the end of it. So. Yeah, 10 year run of a show. It would, you know, yeah. people, like, people you know, children specifically, well, we all age at the same rate, but uh, yeah, yeah, over the course yeah. of 10 years, you, a character who was sweet and lovely in, in episode one might, you know, be a spotty, annoying teenager 10 years later. I mean, it, it does happen. And uh, his, his wife's played by Deborah Grant, who. And she, yes, she's in all nine series as well, isn't she? It, yeah. says, it says she is, but I think it's probably like. I mean, other than season three, it's perhaps mm. one episode here, one mm. you don't see her for a while. But yeah, she probably mm. was. Uh, the other thing, the only other thing I really remember Deborah Grant from was that she was sort of one of Victoria Woods. Um, right. So certainly on some of her things, she, she'd appear in some Victoria Wood sketches. Mm. And there was uh, a series of plays that Victoria Wood did in about '88. Mm. After Victoria Wood on TV, she did mm. uh, so where she'd like there'd be one episode set in a hell farm, one episode set mm. on a. And I think she, I think she was. Quite a lot of those. Whether she was in Dinner Ladies, I'm not. Mm. I can't remember. But she, mm. she, I sort of. Uh, well, um, she's definitely in Pat and Margaret. I, I, I she's uh, quite well known from appearing in Bouquet of Barbed Wire and yeah, its follow up yeah. in the seventies. But yeah. Uh, yeah. and Sean Arnold as Crozier, Barney Crozier, who was Chief Inspector mm. and later Superintendent. He's mm. in the first eight seasons, and right. then they, they, then he sort of leaves, and someone else comes in, but it's not. He's, he's mm. not. Well, so what's his his, his relationship with? Is is it one of the typical superior, gruff, annoyed with him situations, or is it quite a an affable relationship that he has with his detective? So 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 mm. at times and, and at other times, sort of. It's not one of those uh, just give me twenty four hours jobs, is it? It's not one of those. <laughs> no, I, I guess when they do replace his character, but then mm. he, Jim's being private detective anyway, so mm. they they don't. Sometimes even though when he is a private investigator. He he sort of relies on tips from mm. um, because they uh, there's sort of characters who are sort of I, I guess his he, sort of DCs mm. um, and, and there are various different ones um, throughout the throughout the the, the seasons. Mm. Um, you also have characters. Well, you have like a secretary character called Charlotte mm. who's played by Annette Badland mm. um, for the first three seasons. Mm. And then she's replaced with a character called Peggy Masters from series okay. four to seven. And she's she's an older lady and mm. sometimes they kind of have Charlie sort of maybe take if there's a ball he, he might invite because um I don't know if we know much about Charlie Hungerford's mm. um wife or, or it, you know, what happened to her, but mm. uh, he, I, I she's not around, is that no, she's that not that around that and that so he certainly gets to sort of sort of semi-date Peggy um, mm. um, during that time, which is another way he probably ends up being in the story when, you know, because 
Uh, you might pop in with a bouquet of flowers and then somehow mm. get involved with So what's the typical episode of Bergerac? What does it involve? A crime is committed, titles run or titles run and then you, you get some opening scenes and uh, I mean how do, how what structurally how do, how does the average episode of Bergerac I, I think present so itself? I don't think there's pre title sequences. I don't remember mm. pre title sequences. I think you just you get your, you get your title music and mm-hmm. and your and, sort of um, early morphing shape of a channel island. Yes, yes I remember right, quite yeah. significantly. And, and the theme got got worse as it went. It was the same right. theme, but it yeah they they, they just got it more, up a bit. It got more saxophony. I've never ah, been a big fan. Of, I've never been a big fan of saxophones, but you know what they were like in the late eighties mm. and early nineties. Everything was saxophone. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a bit sort of yeah more. more uh, the, the the original seasons I can't remember quite where it changed, but but at least the I think I've said it before I I'm, I get quite sort of fixated on title sequences and or mm. if if title sequences don't change I like to see mm. a changing title sequence so mm. that at, at least that 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 happens mm. um, and um, but yeah I mean sometimes it it can be sort of I mean if it was a Philip Prevail episode then it, mm. then it would probably be something that she's involved in. Yeah. That we're, we're following, and we might see the story from her mm. her point of view initially. But she's also a, a, a bit of a quick change artist, and mm. uh, she'll she'll turn up dressed as a or as a say a policewoman or something. Mm. Uh, and, and and you might not even when she first appears in the episode, you might not even realise it's her because she's in a disguise. Mm. Um, so it's all quite fun. Some of mm. those episodes, mm. you, you do get darker episodes. Mm. Um, but I mean, uh, is is it? fairly again there there are certain types of shows aren't there that are quite the general tone is quite light and then there are other ones where their general tone is quite dark does bergerac sort of cross that line or, or, or well, you know, is it a bit of both do you get a comedy episode do you get light-hearted do you get i mean do you do you ever get the really hard-hitting uh, well i don't i would say there are like comedy episodes it's more mm. it's pretty much the same similar tone mm. but i will come for so i'm just looking at some of the synopsises for the first season mm. so the first three episodes you've got first episode is well he, he's rec- he's rec- recuperating but there's a colleague who's been killed during the investigation into international right. gun sales okay. there's uh, episode two is a suspicious death of a prominent mm. local leader of an mm. international charity committee mm. then there's one about drug couriers uh, of course you do still have so episode four is a retired army major and former mm. prisoner of war sees death threats and mm. sees his ghostwriter killed. Mm. Um, I'm fascinated by this because you actually look at, I mean, some of the, you know, you've got directors like Martin Campbell working on that first year, you know, mm. who, who went on and did, I think he did the Bond film, didn't he? Is, is that right? And writers like Dennis Spooner and, and yeah. Bob Baker and, and Robert Banks Stewart, of course, who created the show. Philip Broadley, I mean, these are, these are hard hitters of, telly from that era aren't they and, and, and looking at the sort of guest casts i mean you've got people like ian hendry and, and floella benjamin you know it's again really quite high profile actors and that's just yeah. in that first season oh, <laughs> the ubiquitous patrick moa turns up he got prunella uh, scales um simon cadell um and there's a few people who uh, who sort of make quite a, early appearances? Anthony Heads in the first season. Right. He, got, he wouldn't have been that well known. I wouldn't have no. thought that early. Not um, even for selling coffee at that stage. He got Tino Evans mm. um, and Linda Laplante when she was still being an actress. That was probably around the time she was in Venter Ghost. Them uh, when she she was Lin- Linda Marshall. Oh, yeah, um, I'm looking at the cast for that one now. Yeah, Linda Laplante yeah. appearing with Maureen O'Brien. Brian and Warren Clark. Warren Clark and uh, Jeffrey Bailden. Jeffrey Bailden. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's that's just, quite a 
right cast to look out for. That's, that's probably you know if you're a cast, if you're certainly an actor spotter, which I know a lot of uh, well, archive TV fans are. It's it's quite yeah. a, a rich a rich source, shall we yeah, say? Yeah, and there's at least one or two McGanns who appear, who mm. appear you know before they're that well known. Um, Have we got a full set yeah, of McGanns or one of them? Not yet, not yet. No, no, no later a bit later on. But uh, we've got Dandy Nichols in the second season, and Phil Davis, um, Kevin Stoney, Joanne Wally before she was Joanne Wally Kilmer. Uh, so how does it work with actually being set on Jersey? Does it, I mean, does Jersey come across as a character in the programme? Um, could they, I mean, what I'm saying is, could they just be filming it in Surrey and nobody would know, or does... No, Beach Life Jersey... definitely, you, I mean... Because sometimes you get the little castles that are slightly offshore or, or linked to the, la- the the land, or or there are scenes on beaches or fights on beaches. Um, so it definitely feels like you're on an an island with the ferry coming in. Is it one uh, of those I, shows where they do a lot of studio work, or is it mostly filmed on location, you know, I, in actual places? Kind of. I think it. it I, I think it. It feels like it's filmed in actual places, and I, I know there's a bit of controversy because one of the buildings used was a former children's home where bad things happened. But obviously, mm. they didn't know about that when they filmed mm. it. But yeah, it always felt like they were real room. But I'm easily, I'm easily um, uh, convinced. Fooled, so. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not, well, come on, some of us spent a fair few years thinking that uh, Vancouver were parts of America, didn't we? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. because you, you've got people like. Bob Baker writing episodes, mm. and I noticed that Brian Clemens, uh, he he wrote he he wrote an episode. I'd forgotten about that. Mm. Um, Rod Beecham is the the writer. I don't know much about him aside from Birds Rabbit. He I mm. think he's the creator of, of Philippa Vale, right? Um, and I, I think her first episode has Richard Herndl in. So you've I think it's definitely appealed to me as a Doctor Who fan. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if I was so aware. I guess I must have known. You know, because what was this sort of? I was about ten mm. um, when I started really getting into it. So whether mm. I was aware immediately of the writer's side of it, but mm. I certainly knew that oh, that's Leela, or mm. um, and and as you you go and obviously on mm. on what well, what you see writers like Bob Holmes pop up, yeah, and like you say Brian Clemens, Bob Baker. So I mean, there are you know these quite well-known television writers working on the show, and again directors, you know. So um, when you've got your your three box sets ahead of you in front of you <laughs> uh, and deciding, what's your go-to for um, Bergerac? Well, I do like the ones that are that have that sort of supernatural edge, which, which the, you know there isn't loads of them. But there's a there's you one... don't just sit and, and watch it all the way through from episode one to episode eighty-seven on a cycle or anything like that. You don't well... work through it like that. You have particular episodes that you. Go back no, to... I mean, I, I, if, if I just, I haven't done that for a while. I would have just mm. at one stage, like I did when I had Tales of the Unexpected. I just mm. watched it all the way through, mm. but in in order. But um, uh, if if I was nipping in now, or if I was showing an episode to somebody who'd never seen mm. it before, I I have ones that that I would I would go for. Fires mm. in the Fall, which is written by Chris Boucher. That's the mm. 1986 Christmas special. Right. That's got. Amanda Redmond's in that one, okay. um, but it's a sort of it's quite a creepy one, and you're mm. still not totally sure at the end. You think it's all been solved, and mm. it's a bit. It, it, it's one of those ones where sort of open ended, kind of, but it kind mm. of looks like oh, 
whoever the baddie is has probably mm. been making trying to scare people mm. and, and a bit like a like a posh a posh serious Scooby Doo episode. Really. Okay. Um, but then they kind of go, yeah, but you say that, but that person has been like like in a, in a not not a prison, but like maybe a maybe the like 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 um, a clinic or something. Mm. So we're not quite sure how that you know that could be the case. So maybe mm. maybe there is. More it's a cl- clever writer, Chris Boucher. I mean, yeah. we know uh, quite a lot of people know him from his Blake Seven work and Star Cops. So I mean, he, he had form with just writing about detectives for detective yeah. shows. But uh, I mean, there's a pairing of him. I noticed uh, Chris Boucher with Graham Harper as director. So for the first episode of Series Five, so it's kind mm. of it. It is kind of uh, he was a strong television writer, as as indeed they all were. I mean, there's certainly no decline when you sort of look along. I mean, sometimes an old, long-running series, you, people they don't want to carry. You know, they, they, it sort of gets tainted by time sometimes. But I, there's certainly that there's a strong the, the directors in the. I mean, you got Gordon Fleming sort of doing one of the later Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not it's not that it's been sort of also painted also, that way. Also, Jeffrey Sachs, who did the um, well, done lots of oh. other things, but he did the nineteen ninety six TV movie, didn't Doctor right. TV movie? Yes, of course. Um, Tristan Devere Cole rings a bell. Uh, was mm. he? Did he? Certainly with Doctor Who, but I can't. It was he a director on Doctor Who, or was he? I I feel like I I recognise that name. Unless I'm getting confused with my Devere Coles, but uh, <laughs> um, Matthew Let's Robinson. I'm sure he's he's Doctor Who related. Uh, um, that, he did a lot of Z cars. He he directed Wheel in Space. Yeah. So yeah, he, he, oh, he's known from. Actually, uh, Jeffrey Sachs did more than one episode. He did yeah. episodes in. in uh, I, I feel like perhaps by say the last. I don't know. Maybe they are known for something. I don't recognise the names of the writers in the mm. by the like nineteen ninety one. I don't know John John Milne. Is he mm. somebody I should know? And a lot of them don't have on the Wikipedia page. They don't mm. have a link to them. So they, I don't. Mm. So I I do feel there was a bit of a dipping in. Mm quality towards in although i mm. think i've gone back and watched them and mm. maybe i maybe i'm i'm wrong um mm. i've sort of perhaps thought that mm. but um i mean if you just sat and watched say the six christmas specials back to back would that be a satisfying weekend or evening or then i don't know that the christmas would that be special... the best of bergerac or would that no i, mean, I, I sometimes think that the christmas shows aren't necessarily the best of a series but they are quite good examples of the series if you see what i mean that sometimes seems to be the nature of them or do they take them out of their comfort zone they're probably not not necessarily my favorites but mm. but they're also ones that i seem to know least mm. um so I don't know. I don't know whether it's just because I was less aware that they were on. Whereas mm. when there's a whole season going, you're sort of keyed into it, but you're kind of busy at Christmas. And and oh, right, so you, you it, didn't you didn't sort of gather around the TV as a sort of ritual to well, I suppose it's just easier to watch Berger. I I I well I, I, I what I mean I guess is that on Christmas Day you're just kind of mm. you know, the Christmas schedule gets a bit busy, and I notice that some of the them like the 1989 Christmas special was on the 23rd of December. I mean, mm. may not have had the eye on, my, our eyes on the ball as far as um, that, or maybe we we did see it. I, it they just most seem to, be... to have been Boxing Day. They seem to yeah. have been a big Boxing Day feature for several years. Yeah, but mm. um, the the fires in the fall one def- definitely sticks with me. So mm. uh, I definitely I must have seen that originally. There's mm. one. From well, I say it gets you at the right age, and sometimes it's television. You actually have to be the right age, and it just and you sit down and you watch something, and it sticks in your brain in a way that quite often later shows 
I mean, even now I can binge watch a program and watch ten episodes, and I can't remember the individual episodes. Watched, I, you know? I think um, I, I I think I, I can be a bit sort of funny with detectives, like mm. I don't know Morse or mm. um, you know the more formal detectives. Yeah, um, I, I prefer my Miss Marples or, or you know people who are kind of investigating and and and, and you, you don't like them quirky. I like them quirky, and although Jim is a proper police officer, he mm. he does have flaws, and I guess perhaps some of that um, you know home life stuff, and mm. and with with Charlie and Susan, and 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 how that linked in mm. to to the the stories mm. did did make it slightly different. And also, I'm not saying there hadn't been things like that before Bergerac, but mm. being the age I was, perhaps I just hadn't seen them, so mm. don't. You know, re- really know. Mm. It could just have been the age I was. Um, but you have now because you've got these these many box sets. You you have now watched every episode of Berger. Yeah, mm. all, all eighty seven episodes yeah. of Berger. Yeah. Uh, so if you were you know kicking off your shoes and sitting back and thought, well, oh, I fancy a bit of Berger, would you go for a particular series or would you go for a particular episode or would you just? Pop- you know, would you say, oh, I'll I'll start with series four? Say, I mean, would that be the one you'd recommend to people? No, because I do like the Celia Imri ones, and and mm. also, you know, there are there are good ones. I just mm. sort of perhaps forget them uh, until I go back to them. But mm. I, I like Celia Imri just mm. you know, because of her Victoria Wood connections and mm. Nightmare Man and things. But mm. the, the, there was one that always sticks with me, which has Alfred Birkin, okay. um, called Poison uh, right. from, from season five. Right. And Alfred Burke is like, I can't remember quite how he knows Jim, but he might have been involved in the more forensic side of detective work. Mm. But can I tell people that he turns out to be the baddie? Um, <laughs> well, um, but, I think, to be honest, when you look at any any of these <laughs> listings, nine times out of ten, the first name is usually the one who was the main baddie in the episode. <laughs> but, so. he's, but he's he's a nice but, well, he's he's not he's sort of a nice baddie, mm. um, although although he's not like a. Well, I've been so good in it that mm. that um, you kind that of feel a, sorry for him. Is that what well? There's a, there's a, I can't I can't remember some of the details now, which is mm. good because it means mm. it's just it's I need time to, go to back. rewatch it. Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. and and I do often feel that that I like to kind of have forgotten things. Mm. Um, I should probably go back. Actually, go back home and and, and start start again, but. Um, yeah, there's a scene right at the end where there is some a drink that has been poisoned. And, oh, right. But I can't remember whether it's whether the guy know whether Alfred Burke's character sort of knows he's about to be found out. Mm. But basically, it comes down to you don't know which one of them has drunk the poisoned drink, and I don't know right. whether that that is something that was, was an accident now, or whether it's almost like Alfred Burke's kind of just put it to fate. To decide no, whether he should be pu- punished, mm. um, and um, well, as you can imagine, there were three, <laughs> at least four more seasons. So you could, you, it wasn't Jim who who, who died, but I uh, being but, that quite a powerful e- episode, but, a good but episode. Sad, sadly, unfortunately, that means that Alfred Burke couldn't be a recurring character. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Uh, um, but, were there uh, any other recurring characters apart from Philippa Vale? Well, there there was. Um, I mean, in terms of returning villains, if you like. Not really villains, no. There, there was uh, Diamond, Diamante, Diamante Lil. Diamante um, Lil, that, sounds, yeah, that almost play, sounds like somebody out of bread, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, played by, by uh, Mella White. She's like, uh, 
she well, I think she owns a bar, and then I think later she owns a nightclub, right? Uh, which also becomes a central location for characters, mm. sort of. To um, on the episode guide that I, I, I've got in front of me, it kind of just says that she's a regular, but she, I think, she's only in it about halfway through. Right. She's one of these actresses who I really liked in the show, but I don't think mm. she has a big. Um, she's played by Mella White, and mm. I don't think she has a, that much else on her. So IMDb, um, mm. don't know, you know, I don't know much about about yeah. her, but uh, she was a good character. Mm. Uh, it's sometimes the nature of these things, though, isn't it? Actually, when you think back, you know, you think, oh, that, they were in this a lot, and they were in this a lot, and then when you actually watch a show, you find out how how little some characters were actually in a show, or or how late they turned up, or sometimes mm. how early they turned up mm. is a surprise. It's kind of like you know that. You know, particular character may have been in several episodes of, uh, I don't know, Coronation Street. But then you find out that they were in almost the first half dozen they made. It it's really it just doesn't add up sometimes in your memory how your memories of a show and the actual reality of a show. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember the. There's a very good episode which involves. Well, there's lots of good episodes that involve Louise Jameson, but there's mm. one that involves a uh, a crooked like land, uh, builder I suppose mm. and Susan sort of realises that he is responsible she mm. sort of goes back to the builder and then says something and he realises that she might know that it's him mm. and there's this whole um, chase through the sort of half built building site Yes, and um, she ends up inside like a t- um i guess it was would be some dr- sort of drainage pipes but quite big pipes yes. i don't i don't you know you, you don't see them working you just see them un- they're sort of half under the ground mm-hmm. and uh he starts to bury her in, in uh, like gets the the digger and starts mm-hmm. burying her in and and she so she gets she sort of manages to hide in one of those mm-hmm. pipes um but then Jim turns up. Oh, well, I think he pretends that nothing's happened. Jim turns mm. up looking and then sees her shoe mm. lying in the rubble. And I, mm. I think, I think it ends with there being a big fight with Jim and the builder at the top of mm. this building. And he, mm. he ends up sort of, it's one of those things I think mm. he gets signaled earlier on about health and safety. Mm. And, and he gets, the, the builder gets pushed against this bar, yeah. which wasn't safe and ends up toppling to the five floors down. So it's all quite action back. Hubris I think takes, takes its, I, I can't talk. remember which episode that was. Well, trouble. The titles mm. don't always. It's all right. Um, but but does the away. does the actual show? I mean, does it look expensive? Does it look? You know, does the stump work look impressive? I mean, it's a lot of location work, obviously. I mean, does it feel an expensive show? I I, I wouldn't say it, it feels like it. It feels right. It I, feels I, like I, a BBC it, show of it, its era. But yeah, does it, does but it look in a, a good... little bit, say a cut above. Does it look like they've actually got money to play with? You know, I mean, obviously you've got this. Uh, what's the car he drives around with? One of these sort of old yeah, vintage yeah. cars that sort of yeah. that rattles around. I mean, but again, they were quite often hired for the for a show. But uh, mm. I just wondered, you know, does it when you watch an episode of Bergerac, are you, you impressed by the the stunt work, the the direction, the the I acting? That, I mean, does it all as a I package? Think... Does it feel like a satisfying whole? I think I think I think so, it, but as a sort of snapshot of that period and the you country like the 80s, stuff, don't you? I know, I know yeah, you the 80s. but it's not like sort of a dynasty where it's all glitz and glamour. It's not. Mm. It, it's much more down to earth, British, and, and ah. you know. Um, but it's posh not, Britain, really, isn't it? I mean, the Channel Islands posh. is 
Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the the scenery does a lot of you know heavy lifting. Yeah, um, <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Mm. The, I was I was looking at some of the other episodes that I I remember. Mm. You've got one with Tony Robinson, who of course by 1990 would have been very big from being bouldering. Yes. Um, there's an episode called My Name's Sergeant Bergerac, and he's mm. he's pretending to be Bergerac. Right. You know, he's pretending to sort of to be Bergerac, or, or or turning up turning up places. Maybe it was a special casting call from John Nathan Turner. Is he Bergerac's um, brother? <laughs> well, I think he's probably um, using false identity papers, ah, but uh, um, but uh, but that's got people like Ronald Allen and Sue Lloyd in, who, of course, um, from Crossroads, of course, were married. I think in real life. life. So you do um, get again. I mean, I hesitate to be critical because you know I know this is a show that a lot of people enjoy. But do you get the similar storylines that you've seen in other shows cropping up again? I mean, like say the the false Jim Bergerac isn't possibly the most original idea in the world. But does it does it is it feel that they can still put a special Bergeracy gloss on it to make it different enough? If it, it I think it feels it feels right in the. Um, Mm. Yeah, in, in the in the, the situation. Mm. Um, I guess you, you're talking about tone of the show. Well, um, I just wonder whether you know, because with the best will in the world, quite a lot of detective shows can seem very similar. Mm. So I suppose what I'm asking is, what is it that the Bergerac spin on these things that makes them a little bit different, a little bit special? It's more than just the location, isn't it? It must be those central core characters and the performances and the writing and everything like that. There must be something that makes this stick out as something you'd want to buy three box sets of, for example. Yeah, I think it must I, feel different. I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I think it is the, the characters, mm. um, but but it, it it's somebody who is a little bit sort of choosy about their police shows. It, mm. it, it hits the the right mark and I think do you like Jim Bergerac very... as a character do you like him as a character yeah he, he's but he you is spend time with him kind of thing. yeah he, he is very um he's quite a man of his time and uh, to a certain extent I think he kind of does frustrate Susan because he's sort of he, the work comes first sort of thing mm. and you know perhaps he's got to but well, I mean, um, if, if you if you'd been accused of a crime on Jersey, would would you be happy for Jim Bergerac to be investigating it? Yeah, <laughs> as long as he I, wasn't on the bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think so. Um, I, I, yeah, he, he he seems to have quite a good success rate, and he's. No, it's just the sense of justice. You know, this is the thing. I mean, it, sometimes there is a, an ambiguous justice, but the structure of these shows is always that they get. They're villain, they catch the villain, don't they? And so I, I imagine they rarely get away with it unless they happen to be a recurring character that you want to come back for other reasons. <laughs> but but his but his his moral compass and his sense of justice feel you're confident with those within that within the structure of the series. And I, I know this is a weird question. I just I just wonder if you know what it is that makes you want to sit down and go, oh, I really like to watch some Bergeron. I, I think it, it, it's one of the few sh shows that somehow links into my real life and mm. and the, a family type thing and you know the holidays we used to have there um, but it's, is it comfortable and cozy i suppose as a viewing experience for you is that it's because i mean you know you can get shows there are shows that have been on for years as well that you never wanted to see again but there's something about bergerac that really draws you to it yeah i mean i'm aiming to go to 
I'm moving to go to Jersey again mm. this year for my 50th mm. because, as I say, I can't do quite what I used to no, do. No. I'm kind of determined. A friend of mine who's never, who, who's never been there has mm. agreed to come with me. Can you hire um, the old the old car? Can you hire the Bergerac <laughs> car? It's two to the could drive. We wouldn't, we wouldn't ah. get very far. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to... Are, are the locations so vivid in your mind from watching the show that you'll be able to spot them when you're going around the island? The, go? There is a particular... Um, I, I'm not very good with the names of different bays at the moment, only because I haven't been there for about five or six years. Mm. But you seem to be acquainted. It's, it's um, yeah, there's, certain, there's, a, there's a church mm. uh, and a, ba- a bay that I particularly know was in quite a lot of episodes. And, and St. Helier is, is in lots right. of episodes. This is the first time I'm going to be going by boat rather than plane. Right. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to being arrested as I come off the boat. No, ah. no, <laughs> no I'm not. But there, there's, that's is, is that, those, does that happen a lot? <laughs> that's what happens a lot. Yeah, there's always there's always people coming up. Uh, so what we really need to do is to arrange for John Nettles to meet you on the quayside. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's quite a hand, you know it's quite a handy place. It's like, it, it has it has cha- changed. Mm. It's quite a good um, holiday lo- location. Yeah, like a snapshot of, of Jersey in the eighties. And the transport's very good for those of us who don't drive. You, the buses. Mm. Um, you know, you can go and hop on a bus, and mm. I'm quite happy just to sort of hop on a bus and get off somewhere and have an ice cream. And, and I mean, know, I'm I, trying I, to remember how, how how big is Jersey? Uh, yeah, considering these 87 crimes were able to be committed <laughs> there over the course of is it is it 20 miles long or a bit bit longer than 20 miles long? Yeah, I, I'm. I'd have to look at me. I'm, yeah. I'm not good with things no. like that, but but it it is the biggest of the. Channel Islands, because we, we did... Um, we, is enough we, surface area for people to get away with all their criminal activity for several years and, 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 and be investigated and to be telling lots of different stories? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, when you're creating a, a TV show like Robert's, Robert Bunch Stewart did, I mean, surely someone must have sat there and gone, do you think it's got enough stories to tell? You know, But but it's a, it's a biggish place. It's a big enough place to, to yeah, feel... And, yeah, that, that can and you would get, you know, they would... I remember there's an episode where he went over to London for a particular mm. met a, a London policeman and that involved you know sometimes the the cases there might be a criminal who was hiding out in Jersey or vice versa a Jersey person hiding out in um, so sometimes he'd he'd you know and they they did they did adapt that's probably why they brought in the the some more of the French side of things or or coming to well Bath that is or, the beauty of it isn't it you've got this international location really it has part french part british it, i mean that the beauty of the storytelling is from that is that it gives you more choices doesn't it more more choices to tell stories there is still supposed to be a reboot that's happening and oh, okay. when i was and they've been talking about this for ages but mm. um so but i'll be loitering it, around to see if we can get some extra work as, as you know. well it, it's it says that as of sort of now, mm. um, the Bergerac reboot is in the final stages of development, possibly oh. airing by 2024. Wow. But I don't know anything about casting or whether there's any, mm. whether it's sort of total reboot, mm. no connection, you know, like mm. somebody, you know, not trying to say, that, oh, it's Bergerac's mm. son or anything like that. Mm. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to tackle it, whether they're just mm. going to pretend it just start again. And, and, Several and, once uh, popular shows, they are getting the same sort of treatment at the moment. So that's kind of, uh, it's an interesting, I mean, like I say, it's a strong enough concept to do that. It's an interesting thing that they would approach yeah. uh, revisiting it. That, that is interesting. So, excitingly, they may actually be filming when you go there. They might be, yeah. Because, yeah. So you might be 
you'll stand uh, in the background of a few shots well, I'm and going finally immortalise <laughs> yourself as part of the world of Bergeron. Well, well, I'm going in September partly because the weather can be still pretty good in September in Jersey, and also the kids have gone back to school, so you've got the you're not sort of there's less tourists about, but it can be a, a pretty good month to be there, and, and also a good month for filming, hopefully. So uh, <laughs> yeah, she'll keep my uh, my eyes and ears out, mm-hmm. and, and I've done an episode of my my own podcast, mm-hmm. the Charlotte podcast in Jersey in the time I've been doing the show so mm. yeah it, it, well we'll be hoping uh, to see lots and lots of, of photographs of you in the locations for for famous yeah. Bergerac episodes I mean that's the I thing think. I mean I suppose that means really when it comes down to it you've got to actually now sit and, and watch all of them before you go just yeah so. that's doable though yeah. and uh, and presumably you can even take the downloaded episodes with you yeah. on, on yeah. your on your phone and and actually mm-hmm. go yep that's where we are that's where we yeah are. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. on the whole the reason you like Bergerac so much is a nostalgia for your childhood holidays and things like that. Is yeah, but they'd have to be. But but it has. But they are strong stories and good. I do like the range of actors that are mm. in it as all the guest stars. Mm. Yeah, it would have to be. It would. It, it, it would. It has to be more than just the mm. the connect the childhood connection because if it wasn't any very good then. That, that wouldn't be enough. And are enough no. of the original cast still around to maybe make cameos if they if they do make this reboot? I mean, there's, yeah, there's still a few of them around. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I was going to say Louise James is still about, but her character isn't, so yeah. like, they couldn't have her in it. But yeah. uh, although she could play a different character, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, and um, yeah, I think most of them, a lot of them are still about. Obviously, not uh, um, Terence Alexander, mm. but. Uh, Excellent. Well, I'm very glad you joined us to talk about your memories and, and the delightful reasons why you would watch watch Act and your recommendations. So, so you still recommend it as a show for people to watch? Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, there's lots of different types of episodes and it, you know, it does enter some of the more sort of mm-hmm. weird and wonderful territories and places, but never to the point of, oh, it's Jump the Shark or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And so you think actually they could have made it for another 10 years if everybody had been willing to do so? Squeeze a couple more seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Paul. It's been lovely talking to you, as it always is, and I'll speak to you again soon. You take care. Thank you very much. Chandler, the shy yeti, for talking me through one of his favourites there. And you never know, once he's done that visit in September, we might very well ask him back to find out how that went. And so that's another slightly offshore edition of Vision on Sound done with for this week, and I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I just need to take a moment to thank everyone at Fab Radio International for keeping us on your trail. And of course, my thanks go out to each and every one of you for listening. As ever, I have been Martin, and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now, and take care.